Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. Think about the last time you were in an elevator. It's something that's part of our everyday life. We've done it countless times. But I wonder when you've been in the elevator, have you thought about the elevator market, the industry, everything that goes into that from construction to design to maintenance to safety? And I was looking at some statistics around the global market, really surprising. This is a huge market globally estimated roughly right now, as big as a $100 billion market today. That could grow to $120 billion globally by 2028. So this is massive, but it's also a mature market and it is ripe for disruption. And I'm talking today to the ultimate disruptor, and that's Ashley Wilson. Ashley is CEO and founder at AuditMate, the first ever elevator and escalator auditing and management software company. And this is an industry she knows very well. She surrounded herself with a bunch of other industry experts and collectively, get this, 117 years of industry experience, which is really giving them the insights that they need to really address customer problems. And we're going to talk a little bit more with Ashley about this innovation and disruption that she's bringing to the elevator market. AuditMate is managing hundreds of elevator portfolios for clients like Nuveen, CBRE, JLL, Stanford Health, and more. And she is really on a mission, a personal mission, to educate and empower building owners and managers to get the most of their elevator contracts while keeping their passengers safe. So all the way from sunny San Francisco, California, Ashley, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hello, thank you for having me. You know, we're not so sunny today. We're super foggy today. <laughs> I try to be an optimist, so <laughs> I thought I would go there. It's, it's pretty stormy here in Seattle as well. But Ashley, uh, going back, just looking at, at the history, really interesting. You spent so much of your time in the elevator market. You've worked for one of the large players before you went off on your entrepreneurial journey. But what really sparked your passion for elevators? People, honestly. I think the people in the industry are so interesting. Um, and and helping people is also a huge passion of mine. Um, you know, when I joined the industry, I had always been more on the sales side of things. You know, I was an entrepreneur really young. But joining the industry, there's this awesome mix of of blue collar and white collar and like engineering and sales. And, you know, it touched on so many different aspects um, and working so many different parts of my brain that I was just super fascinated right away. Right. And in looking at some of your, your biography, you know, that you had family members that were in that industry too, right? So it sounds like you were exposed to that 
at a younger age. Yep, absolutely. So my stepdad um, and uncles were in the industry. My stepdad, my entire life, all I've all I've ever known. And he started. My stepdad started as a mechanic, so out in the field. Um, and then he got a back injury. The the industry can be quite dangerous. Um, and then ended up in the office, and so was on the office side of things, running teams and managing P and Ls. And so he also had that interesting dynamic, right, of understanding how elevators work and working with his hands to then running the business. Um, so it's um, one of my favorite things about it is this like mix and the different types of people you get to work with. Yeah, it is so interesting. And you have been in and around the industry for so long and you've, you've seen a lot of companies try to go out and uh, support and, and work with customers what are some of the biggest things that they have been getting wrong in the space that that really was this catalyst for you to say, you know what, I think I can do it better? Yeah, I think customers were an afterthought. Um, and how, you know, just the psychology of customer service was really missed. You know, there was a big strike in the early 90s. Um, and after that, all of the major players really started to shift on how do we save labor? How do we save labor? How do we save labor? Um, which shifted the maintenance model and how maintenance was completed. You know, historically, mechanics would have a check chart and they would service all of their elevators monthly. And after this strike, it started to reduce. And, you know, my, my stepdad tells the story all the time. The, the monthly maintenance went down to quarterly and elevator companies were waiting for customers to be super upset. And he was like, nobody noticed <laughs> it was crickets. <laughs> and then, and then since then we've seen maintenance reduce and reduce and reduce. And so there's been this major, all of the innovation it feels like has been around how do we reduce time in the field how do we reduce maintenance? And so even all of the IoT products seem to be geared on how do we do less maintenance or air quotes, more effective maintenance. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of the maintenance is cleaning. It's cleaning door equipment. Um, it's, it's putting eyes on things. It's replacing things before they wear out. And until there's robots that clean... <laughs> There's there's some things that just can't be replaced with an with an IoT product. Mm -hmm. That's right, and of course, anytime you're dealing with human transportation, there there's got to always be that concern around you know this is a human life at stake in mm -hmm. terms of maintaining and the safety aspect of it has got to be huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and elevators are very safe. Um, Escalators are more dangerous, <laughs> but elevators are extremely safe. I think um, where where my curiosity was sparked was, you know, how are folks, how are customers not upset about the lack of maintenance that they're getting, which is resulting in, you know, more repairs, unnecessary charges. Um, downtime, tenant disruption, all of these things. 
And how are people not upset about this, right? And nobody knew. Nobody knows. It's it's really, you know, the elevator goes up and down. That's that's what happens. That's what's supposed to happen. Um, so that's kind of what sparked my mission. Yeah. And so we've got this industry and there are, you could probably count on two hands, basically some established players. Uh, and then you're coming with kind of a whole new approach, a very customer focused approach. Or have there been some unique mm-hmm. challenges in coming in and really competing with those established players and kind of bringing this new thinking? Are there some unique dynamics? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there are four major elevator companies that own over 80% of the market share globally. Um, and as you mentioned, this is a massive industry. So those are massive players. And what we're doing is is different, right? We're the first ever company and that is auditing these elevator companies using technology. There's always been consultants. Um, and I would say those are our competitors in the established sense. Those are the mature auditors, I would say. Um, and where the big difference is, is they're still doing everything manually. And they've also been operating in the same way for this for a really long time, right? Those consultants, there's a lot of bias out there. Um, many of those consultants came from a major player for a long time. And, and that can happen anywhere, anytime. But I would say the, the biggest difficulties that we've had is the, the change management, right? Trying to get people to see that there's a different way, trying to get people to understand what they're actually getting from their elevator contract, what they should be getting from their elevator contract, and that there is a simpler way. Yeah, I'll bet you there must be this moment where the light bulb goes off in there when they finally realize it and there's a better way. That's got to be a real satisfying when you're able to see that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we first launched, getting people to even talk to us was really difficult because people have this aversion many times to elevator companies, right? They're like, elevator companies are so difficult to work with. It's so hard to get people on the phone. The communication's so poor. Why can you do it better than we can, right? Like we've been banging our head against the wall for years. Why can you do it better? And so we had a really difficult time even talking to folks because it's like asking someone to, you know, go to a used car lot every day. They're like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to a salesperson, right? Like it's not something I want to do. So we started this program call that we do a free contract analysis. So we'll actually do a 12-month audit on anyone's elevator service. So we audit their legal document. We'll point out any vendor loopholes, um, any language that could be problematic for them. Then we audit 12 months service history and compliance. And we'll actually tell them what percentage of their contract they're receiving uh, on average, it's 50% that they're receiving of the value of what they're already paying for. And this program was like instrumental in us starting to, to scale and get clients because people needed to see with their own data 
what was going on. Mm -hmm. And that is that light bulb moment when people are like, wait, I'm paying for 12 visits and I'm getting three every year. I'm losing 75% of, of the money that I'm putting out into the world. Yeah. What I really love about that, Ashley, is that you were really putting your own brand on the line to say, look, we're, we'll go improve the value and right. just give us that opportunity. But I love doing just doing that proactively, which shows the courage and the confidence you know, to really be able to deliver that value. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, I think I've been hustling my my entire life. I've always looked a bit different and acted a bit different than than the folks in my industry. And uh, that's absolutely one thing that my stepdad taught me was like, I'm not afraid to put my money where my mouth is. Like, just give me a <laughs> shot, and 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 let me prove it. I have no problem proving my worth. And so, Ashley, have you found now that you've got a little bit of time, you've had some success, you're building these relationships, the reaction from those entrenched competitors, have you found kind of a, a, a I'll call it a grudging respect and acknowledgement that is kind of formed because it's reality, right? You are real. You're not going away. Have you found that happen? Yeah, I think that there's this sentiment of especially from the folks that work at the elevator companies of like, we understand why you're here. We understand why you're necessary, but you make my life hard. Um, and then, you know, we enforce liquidated damages in the contract, which, or service default refunds, we call them, which is if the elevator company has not done their job, the client gets their money back. So one of the biggest things that we hear is, well, you actually collect these damages, whereas in most times in most contracts, no one ever collects them because they have no way of proving that the elevator company hasn't done their job, whereas yeah. that's exactly what our software is doing, is proving whether the job has been completed or not. And so I think there's this sort of shock more than respect that, that we actually collect what is owed back to the client. It sounds to me like you're really bringing true accountability back into that equation. Yes. I, I mean, I think probably for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, you have been a true entrepreneur. You just, it, 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 it runs through your veins. And one of the toughest things when I talk to different company founders that they will tell me is uh, building a healthy, sustainable culture in terms of their companies. It's one of the hardest things that they've mm -hmm. ever done. What has been the key for you when you think about what you've built? Being honest in my struggle. I think that folks, I think that folks need a um, honest leader. And absolutely, we need someone to be brave and to lead the way and to light the way. But sometimes things are just hard. And sometimes the world is just hard. And when we first shut down at COVID, we were supposed to launch beta at that time. And, you know, the whole the whole world shut down. 
and no one knew how to act or how to feel or what was happening. And I just got on a video call with my team at that day and I was like, we can't be productive today. How can anyone be productive today? Right? Like this is, it, 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 I feel like I'm mourning and I don't know why. Like, how do y'all feel? And you just, I just saw this like sign of, sigh of relief on folks' face because they also didn't know how to feel, right? And we just sat there and and talked about it and talked about like, what is happening? You know, what's going on? And similar, similar um, discussions happened you know, with, with the recent, um, in, incidents in, in schools, I nope. the parents at the company were just in, in pieces. And we sat there and we talked about it and like, that is as it, being human, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, empathy, but the other thing, you know, and I, I found just in my own experiences working with different leaders that showing vulnerability as a leader, that's really mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people to do because there are some that would say, well, I can't show my vulnerability to my team because I have these standards of, you know, yeah. and, and if I'm built into this hierarchical kind of mindset of, you know, I can't show them that I'm vulnerable. I've got to be this impervious, you know, beacon of strength. And what you're mm-hmm. saying is actually by showing that honest vulnerability and feeling that actually builds an even stronger bond in relationship. Would you say that's absolutely. the case? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It builds a level of trust that when, when my team is then feeling away, they're able to come to me with those things. You know, how can we get ahead of something or or be there to support our team if we don't know what's going on, right? And if someone's mental health is slowly deteriorating and they can't come to me in the beginning, they can only come to me when they're like, well, you know, I'm in full burnout now and I can't get out of bed, right? Whereas if they, if they had the ability and the trust in me to come to me early and say, hey, I need to take a day off, not because I'm sick, but because I'm tired and I'm burnt out and it's too much. And I know we have a big deadline, but if I don't take two days now, I might end up taking two weeks later because I'm exhausted and, and it's too much, right? And so that level of trust allows us to talk about things early on. And, and I don't want anyone to have to feel like they have to work to the point of pure exhaustion. And I think that's really our culture in America, right? This like burnout culture and especially at startups, right? You, you, I mean, you see on the movies, people working in hoodies all night long and crunching computers and chugging coffee and, um, it can be really really hard on mental health. Yeah. It just comes back to really being connected, building that trust and, and, and showing the, the empathy and, and support. Now there are a lot of good leaders out there, but there are a lot fewer truly exceptional 
leaders. We've talked a little bit about some things that have been important for you in building your culture. But Ashley, when you think about being an exceptional leader, are there some other things you think that are really important? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say it's it's the thing that I've struggled with the most and am working <laughs> on. Um, but letting people do their own jobs <laughs> and having the autonomy to mess up and without the courage to make mistakes, we will never innovate to our fullest potential. And I have a tendency to jump in and to help. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I realized is that I would jump in and help too much. Um, and the team got used to me, my opinion, sort of leading the, leading the way. And it got to the point that I was like, Hey, if every idea that I have gets said yes to, then we're not possibly going to have the best products because I am not the smartest person here, right? The whole point of us building a team is that we have differences in the way that we think in our worldview and and how we approach customers and and all of these different perspectives that we have is, is the whole reason that we have a team. I can't be the only idea maker here. And so really getting out of the way and allowing people to learn, which means allowing people to fail. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm visualizing millions of employees right now, Ashley, they're standing up, they're giving you a standing ovation right now because (laughs) this idea of empowerment it is so powerful and and there's a craving for that and unfortunately there's still a lot of mindset that is around i've got to be the smartest person in the room if i've got the, yeah. the most senior title and it's yeah. just a missed opportunity isn't it it is it is and you know my struggle with it is not that mindset my struggle with it is like oh but i can help Oh, but I can help. Oh, I can help. Um, but, you know, being in a senior role for me, I had to become aware of the impact my ideas had versus, you know, early on in my career, I had to yell to be listened to. I was never listened to, right? And I always yeah. had this, like, you know, being queer and being young and being a woman and this very male dominated industry, it's like, but I'm smart, but I have ideas, but I have ideas and having to fight for them that now being like, oh, this might work. And that taken as this is, I don't want to say taken as gospel, but taken as like, oh yeah, this is the way, this is the direction we should hope. I can steer the the ship with an offhanded comment now which I had to really do some internal reconciling with that. And sometimes it's better to shut my mouth and to see where the team takes things because I, I don't want to steer that ship alone. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's some really astute self-awareness, um, you know, that you have and, and just how you can continually grow and develop as uh, a leader in your company. So when you think about your career, Ashley, your trajectory, what's the best mm-hmm. piece of business advice you've received that's really made a difference for you? No one can run your company better than you can. And what I mean by that is we can't as as CEOs or entrepreneurs or even, you know, just leaders in positions, you have a gut instinct and insight that no one else can have. And that doesn't mean that we're the smartest people in the room and we should go out and hire experts, right? Like I'm not a tax attorney and I'm never going to be a tax attorney (laughs) ever. (laughs) But going out and hiring those folks and getting feedback from them, but then you still make the decision. So go go gather the expertise and, and go listen to people. And then you kind of got to throw it out the window a bit, like take it in and then let it go and then make your decision. Because at the end of the day, you know what's right, even if you're not the smartest person in that subject matter you still know the way to go um, in your body. Right, right. Well, it sounds like it's really putting trust in yourself Mm -hmm. and uh, believing in yourself at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ashley, you've come so far, made some amazing things happen. But when you look ahead to the future, what makes you optimistic? I think the accessibility to information makes me optimistic. I think that, you know, it cracks me up that I'm at the age that I'm like kids these days, which it's like I'm in my 30s. So the fact that I'm like kids these days already um, makes me chuckle. But watching the generation of teenagers right now that – consume information and are making sure that subjects are so accessible to everybody is extremely inspiring to me. And there's no reason that we don't understand legal documents or that we don't understand contracts we're signing and things of that nature because it is possible to make all information accessible. And, you know, kind of blowing up and destroying the gatekeeping of knowledge is something that I'm just in awe of and want to be a part of. And I think that everybody has the right to understand the systems and the processes and the the contracts that we have to sign to just live, right? <laughs> Leases yeah. and credit cards and and all of these different things that we sign these documents and many of us don't know. And I know that's just a small part of it, but that's sort of the direction that I'm heading is everybody has the right to understand 
what we have to do and the things that we have to agree to, to um, live a, a safe and happy life. Yeah. I mean, going back to the point of uh, the law, mm-hmm. you know, historically there were the hallowed halls of law schools, right? And and if you were given the golden ticket to enter, then you could be one of the, well, not so select few, there's lots of lawyers out there, but one of those graduates, but you had this specialized access. But now mm-hmm. what's happened, right, with the internet, there's you're not going to become a credential lawyer, but you've got the ability to go out, search and find for yourself a lot of really foundational information around uh, various aspects of the law that as a business person, maybe 30 years ago, you weren't going to have access to that. And you were even more, more reliant, right? On your quote expert. And you really couldn't challenge any of the, the advice that you were getting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then the kids take it one step further and they put up a, a TikTok video and they break it down in plain English to everybody else, right? And it's like, wow, we're taking law and politics and then you have some, you know, kid that's researched everything that you just described and then they put out a two-minute TikTok video explaining it to other folks in a way that is so digestible that it would make a lawyer's head explode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's making it real and uh, which is just, Fascinating. Well, Ashley, as we wrap up our conversation, do you have any other final advice for company leaders that are looking to get more from their teams and achieve continuous growth for their company? Yeah, I would say the way that we get more is by being more real. Right? Like the way the the second that we try to optimize people as if they're machines, and how do I get more productivity and more time? And how do I cut down this time and cut down that time? That's well and good, but let's not lose the the human in that because at the end of the day, the way to get the highest performance from people is when they want to. when they trust you, when they want to support you, when they want to support the mission is, is the best way to improve your company. Yeah. I kind of think of it as the difference between desire and compliance and isn't desire so much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ashley, thanks again for joining, sharing your amazing journey in in creating disruption in this massive and mature elevator market and sharing your guiding principles around effectively leading and getting more from the people in your organization. Thank you so much for having me. And a reminder to please continue to give the gift of feedback on what you like about this podcast. You can go out very easily, rate and review on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.